Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You first come to Christ and there's all the don't do's. You know, God starts cleaning you up and don't do that, don't go there, don't hang out with them. And he starts setting you apart from other things and other stuff that would get in the way of what he really wants to do with you. But when you get beyond all that, you're set apart for a purpose. God didn't just say, come over here and then that's it. He said, come over here because I got something I want to do, but I need you to be pure. I need you to be clean. I need you to be a vessel that I can use. So just like the Levites, they're set apart for service. They're set apart for divine and specific purpose. So are we. A lot of people view Christianity as a bunch of rules and things that you cannot do. But to those who follow Christ, we know that it's not things we can't do, but things that we shouldn't do. Pastor Bill reminds us in today's message that if you're a believer, then you have a special calling for your life from God. The rules were put in place in order that you might be spared from your own nature. God has a purpose for your life that was laid down specifically for you, but he still wants you to choose it. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As we looked at Numbers chapter 2, they were numbering everyone and numbering all the Israelites and setting them apart in groups uh, by their tribes. And they were set on the north, the south, the east, and the west. The way that God situated them, everybody was in a situation, every tribe, every group, where from where they were situated, they were, they were able to look in on the tabernacle, the place of meeting, the place where they would meet with the Lord and receive from the Lord. And so it didn't matter what tribe you were from, whether you got the, the desirable east side or you got you know, the south side or wherever side you ended up on, you were in a place, they were all in a place where they had access to the Lord, where they could see him, look to him, um, seek him. And so we talked about that, the importance of keeping the Lord at the center of every aspect of our lives. Today, uh, in chapter three, we're going to look at the one tribe that was not dealt with. So all the tribes were given their areas. And what was the one tribe that was left out? Levi. We see through the earlier chapters and numbers and all the teaching we did through Leviticus that the Levites were set apart. They were a group that was specifically set apart. But I think it's really important as believers that we come to the place where we realize not only have we been set apart, but we've been set apart for purpose. Um, some Christians get stuck in the set apart phase. Now I'm saved. I no longer do X, Y, and Z. And part of being set apart, sanctified for the Lord, God does clean us up. So anybody here that's been saved recently, if you got saved in the last three years, I promise you, your life is different. I promise you, there's some things that you used to do a couple years ago that you don't do anymore. You first come to Christ and there's all the don't do's. You know, God starts cleaning you up and don't do that. Don't go there. Don't hang out with them. And he starts setting you apart from other things and other stuff that would get in the way of what he really wants to do with you. But when you get beyond all that, you're set apart for a purpose. God didn't just say, come over here and then that's it. He said, come over here because I got something I want to do, but I need you to be pure. I need you to be clean. I need you to be a vessel that I can use. So just like the Levites, they're set apart for service. They're set apart for divine and specific purpose. So are we. We're set apart by God for God. We have divine purpose upon our lives. And so uh, everybody look at Numbers chapter three. I'm going to read the first four verses. Now, these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. 
These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests, whom he consecrated to minister as priests. Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. So a few things I want to point out that I think are interesting. First of all, you know, because the priesthood is going to flow through Aaron's kids. Where did Aaron come from? Why is he even in the picture? When the Lord called Moses, God told Moses, I want you to go and speak. He had a plan for Moses' life and he told him what he wanted to do. And Moses, like many people today, felt his inadequacies immediately. I can't do it. No, I can't. I, I got I got I stutter. I got speech impediment. You know, I can't do it. I can't speak for you. I can not only did he couldn't, he wouldn't. And so God said, fine, then then take your brother with you. Take Aaron with you. Aaron will go. He'll be the spokesman. But we all know that didn't play out too well. Right. Aaron messed some things up, you know, golden calf. We, we won't go there. But, you know, Aaron went with them and that was a purpose. And I find it interesting that Aaron is brought along because Moses just wouldn't go when God said, but God still uses him. God still says, I got a plan for you, Aaron. And through your bloodline, we're going to have the priestly tribe. We're going to, there are going to be some holy things that flow out of your life. And so I just bring that up because I see this in God. I see that I don't think it matters where people came from, how they got it around. I mean, I just see God taking people in all sort of different ways and then turn it around for his glory. I seen people that their initial steps toward God were for carnal purposes. But God still used it for his glory. He still turned it around. I, one instance I think of when I was doing high school ministry, I had a kid that didn't want to go to camp. So we did retreats for the kids, like the women just had their retreat. The men's out, we did a youth retreat. And I would love to take kids that didn't know the Lord because it'd be a great chance to get them away from everything that they know and, and just saturate them in a godly environment. So this one kid didn't want to go. And his mom told him, all right, if you go, I'll buy you these shoes that you wanted. He wanted some old expensive basketball shoes. So as we first get to camp and, I, and all you got, you got your groups of kids in the room, I'm saying, hey, everybody tell me why you came, what you hope to receive and whatever. So I got some kids telling me that, you know, I came to really just, I want God to show me his will for my life. And I got kids giving me really good meaty stuff. And this kid's like, my mom promised me to get me them new Jordans if I came. So I'm here, you know, you know, got two days left where I get my J's, you know. And so, uh, you know, he was clearly there on just carnal purposes. But day two, this kid is saved, gives his life to the Lord and walk with the Lord. You know, years after he got back from the camp and told his mom, just as a symbol of the genuineness of his salvation, he said, please don't buy me the shoes. Like, I don't want them. I don't I don't want to feel like I, I I did come for that, but I don't want it now. And he didn't take them. And so I was I was really proud of that kid. But anyway, just saying that. It doesn't matter where we came from, why we stepped in the door, why we, when God gets a hold of a life, God's able to turn it around and use it for great glory. He's able to do great things with lives that are submitted to him. And so Aaron, uh, again, that's Moses' older brother. He's got four kids and the priesthood is going to flow through his four children. So they're listed here, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. Most of us remember what happened to Nadab and Abihu. Can somebody tell me what happened to those two sons? All right. They were consumed by fire. The Lord killed them for doing what? It says that they offered strange fire, or profane fire. Um, you go back and read the story. It has something to do with them coming before God in an irreverent way. And they were probably intoxicated when they did it. Either way, they came before God in a way that he had not prescribed. They died. 
So they were no longer going to be serving as priests. Uh, they're gone. So, uh, but those are two of his sons. The other two sons, Ithamar and Eliezer, would be, they would be left. And again, through these lines, um, there'd be servants raised up for the Lord. So a few things I would point out, because in this chapter, we're going to number out the priests. They haven't been counted yet. Every time we come to where we're counting people up, the Levites have been told, well, don't count them. They're, they're set apart for God. In this chapter, God's going to count them. When he first counted Israel up, he said, I want to count all the men age 20 and up who can go to war. Um, because that's what they were looking for here. When he counts the Levites here, they're going to count them from one month. You think, what are they going to do at one month? The purpose of the counting here is, and it's in verse 15 where it says that, the purpose of the counting here is just to see how many men, how many people do we have to work with? How many people do we have coming into, not that are currently serving as priests, but also that are going to come into the priesthood, going to come into a place of, of serving the Lord in this way. And so I would just point this out as we move along, because we real quickly read over Nadab and Abihu, and you just kind of keep moving. But they're already erased, and they're erased from the text. They're erased from the whole picture because they didn't do God's work God's way. And so just a reminder to us that are in ministry, that are serving God, uh, we want to serve the Lord in the way that he prescribed. We want to do it with the right heart. We want to do it for his glory. Uh, is it possible to serve God in a way that is not pleasing to him? Absolutely happens all the time. You could do ministry for your own glory. You could do whatever you do. You could sing. You can preach. You could, you know, you could do a number of different things. And you can do them in such a way that people would look at you and say, wow, you're awesome. That would be not doing it in the way he prescribed. Because the Bible tells us that we're to do our good works before men in, in such a way that they would see your good works and then glorify your father in heaven. That there's a way in which we can serve God that you're still doing good. You're, you're serving, but people would look at the way you're serving and when they get done, they would say, wow, they would glorify God for the way that you did it. And so we all want to pray about that, God. Look at the things that you're doing. I know there are many people here that are serving. So look at how you're serving. Look at the way that you're serving, the places you're serving, and just be mindful of that as you step out on Sundays, as you come to places of ministry and whatnot, consider that. God, how, do, how can I do this today in a way that people would just glorify you? They would just know that it's from you. Sometimes it's making sure that we just give him the credit. Oh, that was so nice of you. Oh, no, praise the Lord. Give God the glory. Everything, you know, just it, it, sometimes it's going to be something we have to speak up, you know, because people will come praise you right away. Oh, you do that so well. How, how long have you been? Oh, you know, I've been practicing for years. You know, you can start just eating it up, you know, glory pies. Or you can reflect that back to the Lord and give it to him. So we want to be careful in our ministering, in our serving that we do it in a way that, that pleases God, that glorifies him, where he's the big deal when we're done. Uh, look at verse five now. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. And they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So a few things here that I think are important. First of all, 
God says, I want you to, um, he tells Aaron, I'm giving the people to you. I'm giving the Levites under your charge, under your care. I'm giving people to you. And so you might read that and say, wait a minute. Verse six, he says that. He says, bring the tribe of Levi near, present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. Now, for some of us, we read that and we say, well, I, don't, I would want to, in, in this equation, who do you want to be? You want to be Aaron? You want to be one of the people? that they may serve him. You want to be a servant? You want to be the one getting helped? And I think when we understand the way that they're both called, it makes sense. Aaron's called to serve the Lord. The way that Aaron serves the Lord is by ministering to all the people. Can one man minister to all those people? Absolutely not. All the things that are going to be needed, the care of the temple and all that stuff, one man could not possibly function, do that function. So God says, look, I'm Aaron, I'm giving you the charge. You're the, it's your job to do it. But now I'm telling these people their calling in life, their ministry is going to be to serve you. They're going to serve you. And in doing so, it doesn't make Aaron their Lord or their God. They're all really going to end up serving God by serving the people. That's the way it flows out. So we live in a very, ah, man, we live in a very prideful, especially in America. We're, we're a very proud, prideful you know, kind of culture where the evidence that you've made it is that you're the boss and that, you know, people look to you and they do for you and you're the one that's calling the shots and everything else. But in the kingdom of God, it's so different, right? In the kingdom of God, it's not the person at the top is not the person in charge, right? If we do church right, who's always the person at the top? Jesus. No one ever gets above that. And Jesus, when he came to earth to give us an example to follow, he was a servant of all. God left heaven, came to earth. He washed disciples' stank feet. I mean, we think about that today. You guys, many of y'all showered before you came here. If it was a matter of me washing your feet, I'll be honest. I mean, I like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, some people got a feet, you know, issue. I don't have a feet issue, but I don't want to wash y'all's feet. (laughs) Just be real. I don't, you know, everybody, I've seen some real special feet, you know. When Jesus did it though, right, it was different. Today, y'all have bathed. Y'all have walked over here in shoes, you know, so if, if I had to get down and do it, even if you just got me, it just wouldn't be that bad. Back in those days, they walked dirt roads for many, many miles. Didn't nobody have no odor eaters. They didn't have any special, you know, fungi protection. I mean, it was just roughing it. And Jesus got down on his knees and he said, come on. And without discretion, wash their feet. And he said, look, I've given you an example to follow as I've served you. You guys serve one another. In the kingdom of God, the, the one that's the greatest is a servant of all. And so we want to be careful that that American mentality doesn't wash your mind. But that's why we got to stay in the word of God, that we realize that in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. I make ourselves a servant. Be willing that there, there shouldn't be any job beneath us as a servant of the Lord. There shouldn't be anything that's like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. That's I'm going to call me call somebody else for that job. Uh, I remember hearing. Uh, some of the guys that used to work at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, it was a Sunday, so there were services. It was in between services, and the guys were coming out of the bathroom saying that one of the toilets was clogged, and they were going to get tools to, you know, unclog it. And the story goes that Pastor Chuck was like, yeah, we'll do that. He just rolled his sleeve up, and he reached in and unplugged it, and he went and washed his hands. Now, I don't know if I would have wanted to shake hands after church, you know, like, but it was an example to, to all the guys there watching that, all the guys that serve under him. They were just like, man, we just, we just need to serve, you know? Like, for him, it was like, you guys, you guys making a big old fuss, man, here, boom, bam, wash up. 
go back in, inside or whatever. It's just an example. We want to we want to be willing to serve in whatever way God would prescribe. So here the people were given to Aaron that they might serve him. They're going to minister in that way down in verse seven now it says, and they attended to his needs. They shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. So in serving Aaron, again, they're going to be serving the needs of all the people. Verse eight, they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting, um, the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. So all the inside stuff, the furnishings and all that, they're going to be taking care of those practical things. Verse 10, you, so you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to the priesthood. But it says the outsider who comes in shall be put to death. Before I come to the outsider who comes in, uh, just a couple more words on how we're to serve and, and everything else. Uh, something I wanted to note in verse nine, if you look at verse nine with me real quick, it says, um, and you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him. Uh, that word caught me. I, when I read over it, I kind of paused there. God said, okay, the Levites are given to him. He said it twice already. But here he says it again. He says, hey, they're given entirely over to him their function in life is going to be to report to him for how they might serve the people and serve me in doing so they're given over entirely to it that means they don't do anything else that's why the levites weren't part of the number of guys that were counted to go to war you will not be going to war levites you will be here making sure that the tabernacle is functioning where people can do business with me and i can meet with people and all the things that, that god wanted to transpire from the tabernacle he said that's a bigger deal to me for you than for you to be out there fighting a war or doing some other job or doing something else so Two with us. God has given every believer a purpose. Every believer, every Christian has purpose. The only person's life that's without divine purpose is a non-believer. They're just meandering about. They don't really, they may, they may be doing something, they may be doing something real good, but I guarantee you, apart from Christ, they're detached from their divine purpose. It's in Christ that we find what we've been created to do for his glory. And I think it's important as they were given entirely to it that. We have that in mind. The thing that you've given me to do, I want to I give myself to it. There's some people that God has gifted in some ways, but they, they've never given themselves over to it completely. You know, I, I know I'm pretty good at this over here, and I, I got a little bit of that over there, and I, I see that when I do this, God blesses it, but so I don't work real hard at it, you know, just, but it's there. I kind of know I got it. And there's some people that are content to be in that space as a Christian. I know I could do a couple of different things, but I'm not going, I don't want to do them too good. You know, they might make me do it permanently or something, you know, just don't give themselves entirely to it. Uh, there's a verse. If you're writing notes, you can write down first Timothy chapter four, verse 15. And as Paul was ministering to Timothy about the ministry God had given him and how he was to be studying the word and how he was sowing the word into his heart. God told him concerning the ministry he was called to, he said, give yourself entirely to them. These things, these doctrines, these truths. Don't hold anything back. Don't waste anything. Now that you have purpose, give yourself to it entirely. And so I would encourage you and myself that as we're aware of our gifts and our callings, that we give ourselves entirely to it. Um, maybe some of us, we're not going to be born again again. And we're not going to you know, necessarily renew our commitments to the Lord. But maybe some of us here could renew our efforts. We could say, God, you know what? I, I know that I've been given this, but I haven't given myself over to it entirely. And so maybe for some of us, you write those things down. God, this is something I know you've given me and I maybe have done it with this much percent of my heart or this much percent of my effort. I want to I see what you'll do if I give myself over entirely to it. Uh, I'm amazed at what people can do when they give themselves entirely over to something. 
there are some people that are kind of naturally talented in an area. I know some guys when I was in high school that were, they were natural athletes. That means that they just had, without anything extra, without any coaching, without any working out, they naturally were already a jump above everybody else. They had just had natural, some genetic giftings and whatnot. Now you take guys like that and they work hard and work out and practice hard and those become the elite. They already started with some things that set them apart in the beginning, but now that they've worked hard at it, it's like, man, who, who can stop him? Who can touch that guy? You know, I believe in the spirit realm and the realm of spiritual giftings and callings and whatnot, that your gifts and callings represent that, that, that sets you apart already. I know that these gifts, everybody doesn't have, but I have this one. God gave it to me. Now, if I give myself entirely to it, there'll be things that you realize through God, you're able to do that in a way that somebody just can't randomly pick it up and do it. And so my encouragement is that we would give ourselves entirely to these things. I don't think that there's a more fulfilled life to live than a life where your, your, your life is filled up with the thing God gifted you, called you, enabled you to do, that you're just doing that for him. And so I encourage all of us that we would pursue the Lord uh, in those areas and let him, let him lay it out for us. Uh, so one more thing in verse 10, he says in the outsider, verse 10, so you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, they shall attend to their priesthood, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Who is the outsider? The outsider is the person that steps into the priestly role that wasn't called to it. Um, he's speaking to the Levites about their calling, what they're supposed to do. The person that steps in where they don't belong, God says, put them to death. Anybody can't just waltz up into the Holy of Holies, you guys. Anybody couldn't just roll up in the tabernacle like, hey, what's going on here? Let me check it out over there. You know, I'm going to come off. Let me offer some sacrifices. Um, an example, we don't have time to go to it tonight, but if you write notes, you can write it down in your notes. Write down 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 9 through 14. Saul was getting a little antsy. There were people desiring to come against him and he was out there and the people were beginning to get scared and scattered and Samuel told him he'd be there in seven days, but he wasn't there right on time and Saul just said, okay, well then, then, then and the people started to leave him and he got nervous about that. He okay, okay, stop, come back, come back. I'll offer the sacrifice. Saul wasn't a priest, he was a king and he went in there and he did it and as soon as he got done doing it, it says, as soon as he got done, Samuel walked up. I said, man, what are you doing? You blew it. And he says, you're done. You're out. God's found a man. God's found him a man after his own heart. It's a wrap for you. For Saul, there were so many things. It was the, the not killing the Amalekites, but there again, stepping into something God had not called him to do. And God's word to him there were harsh. God said, that's it. It wasn't like, I'm going to forgive you for it. We'll, we'll try again. God said, no, I found me somebody else. A man after my own heart. You don't have my heart. And so that was it for him. And so what do we take from that? Obviously, none of us are priests, but I do think we can walk with this. As much as Saul's role was to be king and for whatever reason, he was tempted to step into this other role where he didn't belong as priest and God punished him for it. That's just not what I called you to do. You just, you, you're not even being a good king. When, when he was all antsy and worried about going over there to do the sacrifice, he should have been being the brave king that God had called him to be. He was a coward as a king. That's why the people were afraid because they're looking at their leader and he's scared. So if, you know, if, you're, if you're under somebody and they look like, hey, don't worry about this. We got this. Yeah, okay. Well, he said we got this. And so, you know, you'd be, you, you're encouraged by your leader. But they're looking at their leader. He's like, he's scared. So they're like, we scared, we leaving, <laughs> matter of fact, you know, and they start scattering away. He was a bad leader. He wasn't even doing what he had been given to do with his whole heart. That's what happens. 
When God gives you something to do and you don't give yourself entirely to it, so you're not even doing well what God gave you to do for sure, then you start putting your hands in something God didn't give you to do. And you mess that up too. Why it's so important that we just say, God, I'm, I want to listen and hear your heart. What's, what have you given for me? Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>